Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show Robert Boval, well-known author, probably, uh, well, no, the per- first person to make the connection between uh, the Orion belt and the Orion constellation and the Great Pyramids. And the timing is incredible because Robert was actually born in Egypt and as you will know there is incredible turmoil happening in Egypt right now and in many ways it does tie into uh, the theme for our show today which is Robert's new book which is called The Master Game. So Robert, welcome to the show. Hi Peter, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. Well The Master Game sounds like a really interesting title. So perhaps you may want to begin by telling us why it's a game. Well, let me perhaps tell you how this uh, book came about, uh, which in itself is a, is a strange game. <laughs> uh, as you know, I published a book called The Orion Mystery in 1980, 1994, uh, which... Uh, put forward the theory of correlation between the uh, Giza pyramids and the Orion belt, uh, which is part of the Orion constellation. Uh, however, uh, a few years before uh, I wrote the book, I, was, I happened to be in Paris, and uh, I was doing something completely different than uh, what I'm doing, uh, I've been doing for the last 20 years. I was actually doing market research for an international company, and... Uh, I happened to be taking a group of students uh, to this Place de la Concorde in Paris where the, there is an obelisk that was brought from Egypt in the 1830s. And uh, it's one of those strange things that uh, I've seen this obelisk many, many times in my life and uh, I've been to Paris uh, since I was in my teens. But it never occurred to me to ask the question what it was doing there. I mean, why... why a genuine Egyptian uh, obelisk uh, from uh, 3,000 years ago uh, was plonked uh, in the heart of Paris. And uh, it's one of those moments where funny things happen, uh, which uh, I suppose the best term for them is synchronicity. I happen to be uh, looking at a model of, uh, of the city of Paris or rather, to be more precise, the historical axis of Paris, which uh, is known internationally as the Champs-Élysées, uh, the, uh, the, the, the main, the main uh, road that, uh, that goes east-west uh, all along the, the city of Paris. And uh, I then happened to go at the Louvre Museum uh, and look at the Egyptian collection. And while I was there, I bought a, a magazine, uh, of archaeology, and as I flattered to the pages, I saw an overhead picture of the city of Luxor in uh, in Egypt, in Upper Egypt. Now, 
the weird thing is that it is from the city of Luxor, or more precisely from the temple of Luxor, that the obelisk uh, of Paris was taken. Uh, now, the, the temple of Luxor had two obelisks at the entrance. There's still one remaining, and the other one is now in Paris since the 1830s. However, here is the, the, the strange punchline. Uh, as I looked at the uh, overhead aerial photograph of the city of Luxor, it was as if I was looking at the city of Paris. And the position of the obelisk, strange enough, was outside the Louvre uh, Museum uh, in precisely the position uh, of a overlay map if you overlay the two cities one on top of the other. And I thought this is very, very weird, and I decided to investigate. Uh, this eventually... Are you still there, Peter? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I'm just listening. Fascinating. Well, I think your, your listeners will be interested in this because this is how the genesis of a book starts. You know, when you, when you fall on, one, on something that is an anomaly, something odd. Now, most people would probably have dropped it and said, you know, what's it got to do with me? But being the person I am uh, and, and being a, an investigator by nature, I have done a lot of investigations in my life in many sectors. Uh, I, didn't, I, I thought it was rather too much of a coincidence uh, to, to, to have seen what I saw. And I decided to, to, to look deeper into this. What I know now, of course, many, many years later, uh, <clears throat> this, this event took place in 1989. Uh, the book was eventually written in 2004 with, uh, with Graham Hancock. So there was a long period of research between those two, those, those two events. But what I can tell you now is that I was the victim, in a sense, of a talismanic uh, monument. In other words, that uh, here was an Egyptian monument in the heart of Paris. Millions of people have seen it. Uh, people drive around it every day. Uh, people take pictures. Uh, people ignore it. But here is suddenly somebody, uh, happened to be myself, who says, well, this is weird. Why is it there? Let me find out. Let me investigate. And in other words, the, the monument has acted as an intellectual magnet. And if you pursue the investigation, well, the inevitable, you're going to have to, to, to find out who brought it there or why it was brought there or uh, what, what was the motive. Uh, then you'll have to find out what it means and you eventually will have to study Egyptology and study French history and so forth. And the result is that if you pursue the, um, the investigation you will, in a sense, get initiated into uh, certainly the Egyptian cult because you have to find out what this monument means and solar symbol and so forth. But I found myself being initiated inadvertently into the Masonic cult because that monument, uh, as I discovered, was brought by uh, Freemasons in the 1830s to Paris. And oddly enough, uh, one thing led to another. I discovered that many of these obelisks that were taken out of Egypt, uh, one in uh, Central Park, New York, uh, the other one in the embankment in, in London, were all brought by the Masonic Society in very, very strange circumstances. And, and therefore, the, the research expanded, and the result was uh, eventually I contacted Graham Hancock, and I said, listen, I've got this, this massive... Uh, body of research uh, that is coming up with some very weird 
uh, in, uh, conclusions. It seems that, that these major cities, Paris, uh, London, uh, Washington, uh, uh, are all designed seemingly according to some sort of scheme that we can term Masonic, uh, mainly because it was Freemasons who were involved in the activities of the design and bringing those monuments and so forth. And so we, we, we delved together and uh, after many, many years, I contacted Graham Hancock in 1994 and eventually 10 years later we published, uh, we published this book under the first title of Talisman, uh, which was published uh, in many, many countries. Uh, but uh, since then, I'm, I'm hogging all the time, Peter, if you want to interrupt me. No, no, it's that. fine. No, it's, it's, uh, it's just really interesting following how this is unfolding. Carry on. And uh, recently, uh, about seven, eight months ago, we were contacted by uh, an old friend of mine who is a publisher in New York and said, listen, I want to re-launch uh, this book, Talisman, because uh, there's many things in it that is extremely relevant to the, uh, to the events that are happening today, uh, particularly the, uh, the, the huge events that started after 9-11. I'll explain why in a minute. And... Uh, so uh, Graham and I got together again, and we uh, completely repackaged the book to include all the research we've done since uh, 2004, and uh, it produced this book, which uh, we're now calling The Master Game. It will be published in June. Now, to kick off what the, the game is, which, which is, was your initial question. Yes. Well... There is, I suppose the word game gives the wrong impression here because it's, 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 it's a very serious situation that appears to be, if one looks at it sort of cynically, a sort of game where the prize of this game, and this game has been going on for, 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 for centuries. I mean, uh, in fact, one can go down to almost uh, the seventh century. But uh, the prize seems to be the city of Jerusalem, or more precisely, uh, the Mount, Mount Zion, where stands today the, 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 the two most sacred sh shrines of Islam, uh, the, the uh, Dome of the Rock and uh, the Aqsa Mosque. Now, let me tell you how we, this kicked off. Uh, again, one of those strange synchronicity. While I was writing uh, uh, with Graham, uh, Talisman, uh, on in 2001, we were in the process of putting the, the, the script together. On the day of 11th of September, this awful day where uh, I don't need to explain the, the, the events, uh, I happened to be writing on my computer that date, 11th of September, except it wasn't 11th September 2001, it was the 11th of September... 1666 and while I was writing it, now the reason I was writing that date so Robert actually that, before before you continue we're actually coming up to our first break so let's let's okay. hold hold at this point and return with the 11th of September 1666 uh, after this break it's Peter Tang here for awakening to conscious co-creation
be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to discover who you really are? Do you want to know your true self and your soul purpose? Tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom with your host, Seti Nave. Let Seti be your guide to be self-empowered and learn about the magical arts. Seti's guests are made up of practitioners, teachers, and life-minded people who are interested in more than just going through the motions. You will learn to manifest your dreams when you tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Explore the infinite possibilities of the unknown. Learn about the mysterious and mythical realms through time and space. Realize your inner truth. Tune in to Spirit Walker with Dr. Jeffrey Pierce and co-host Cindy Pierce. Dr. Pierce is a true intuitive. He is legally blind, uses no cards, pendulums, or guides, and has been found to have 97% consistent accuracy based on testing by the United Kingdom Institute of Psychic Sciences Research Center. Listen for topics that others are afraid to address on Spirit Walker, Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. West on 7th Wave Network. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I'd just like to take the opportunity at this point of thanking one of our sponsors, thenaturedoctor.com, new nutritional pro- uh, foods for conscious living. www.thenaturedoctor.com. I'm delighted to have with me today Robert Boval, who is uh, unraveling a, a mystical story um, going back to the 9-11 event, but even further back to the 11th of September, 1666. So, Robert, what took place on that day? Yes, I I was talking about strange synchronicities uh, in the first part of your program. And here is another one. Uh, As I was explaining, I was was actually writing uh, a a chapter of uh, Talisman, or now called The Master Game, if you like. And uh, I was... In writing about the events that occurred right after the Great Fire of London. And I was actually typing the date, 11th of September, 1666. The reason I was doing that is that it was on this day that Christopher Wren, the, uh, the great architect of St. Paul's Cathedral uh, and a member of the Royal Society, uh, rushed to King Charles II and uh, presented to him the 
redesign of the city of London, uh, which uh, had greatly, uh, most of the city had burnt to cinders, and uh, here he is pr- proposing a completely new design. Uh, at the very same time, on that same day, apparently totally independently, arrived John Eveling with a set of drawings as well, and uh, went to see the king, apparently in his bedchambers. And there uh, also presented this, this, his plans for the city of London. Now, the curious thing is that both plans were almost exactly the same. But what was weird about these plans is that they were based on what is known uh, in Kabbalistic circles as the tree of life, which uh, in, in, in a very complicated way, which I won't go about, uh, sort of represents the emanations of Jehovah. Uh, or, if you like, a plan of this kind would represent, in a, in a symbolic way, uh, the city of Jerusalem. Now, this was nothing unusual because there was a great push uh, at that time um, to see England, or rather London, as a kind of new Jerusalem uh, for various reasons. There was this kind of euphoria to, 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 to have England uh, as a new Protestant uh, Jerusalem that was, that was uh, going to re- govern the Christ- Christendom. So, but, you know, as I was typing this 11th of September, my wife called from downstairs and said, there's been an attack on the United States. Uh, some planes have slammed into the, uh, into the Twin Towers and they're reporting that the plane has slammed into the Pentagon. And she was hollering this from downstairs, and I was upstairs typing this date, and I thought, now, just the words, apart from the strange date that, uh, that here was I writing about this great fire of London, and here was this, this, this terrible, uh, uh, fiery situation uh, in New York and, and, and Washington. But as she mentioned, the Twin Towers and the Pentagon, now, I had been deeply researching the uh, history of Freemasonry and symbolism because it's very much part of this book. And to any bona fide Freemason, I'm not one, by the way, but to anybody who has researched this and those Masonic symbolism, the sheer mention, the, just the mere mention of two towers or two pillars and a pentagon means literally, symbolically, the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. And I thought, this is weird. I mean, this is really, really weird. I mean, uh, here is supposedly a, a fundamentalist Arab uh, conspiracy to uh, attack the United States, and they pick these monuments or, or symbols, if you like, of, of American uh, power. <clears throat> but here we have, they picked those two. Now, what immediately emerged was something rather odd. Uh, I don't know if many of, you, of your listeners may have uh, realized this, but... The Pentagon uh, was, in fact, inaugurated, uh, the cornerstone of the Pentagon was actually placed on the 11th of September, 1941. And, you know, I thought, what's going on? I mean, here we have uh, what appears to be Masonic symbols, the Twin Towers with with the Pentagon chosen, and here comes the date literally inscribed on the Pentagon, 11th of September, 1941. The attack took place exactly 60 years later to the day. And I thought, this is, I mean, can it be a coincidence or or what? 
And again, I decided to investigate. I remember calling Graham Hancock and said, listen, this is all very odd. Let's look into this. And here we come to the crux of this <coughs> problem that is, in fact, uh, a Pandora's box that has been opened and, uh, and has manifested all these, these, these terrible calamities that we've been facing since 9-11, the, the attack on, uh, on Iraq, on Afghanistan, the, uh, the fundamentalist movements, uh, the Al-Qaeda. And how does it all tie up? Well... <coughs> That's exactly what my question was, Robert. <laughs> well, I hope we have enough time. I have to go a bit quickly here. But, uh, well, <clears throat> number one is that the Pentagon was actually a design, a personal design, strange enough, by President Roosevelt, uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, many may not know that he was a, he was a kind of uh, amateur architect. And it, you know, I thought this is weird. I mean, why would the president particularly involved. Now, the Pentagon was actually uh, planned because here was America on the verge of entering the Second World War, and they had to group in all the armed forces and the, and the, uh, and the Air Force and the, uh, the Marines into one building. Uh, and uh, this building turned out to be the Pentagon. And oddly enough, uh, and again, I can't go into much detail, but you know, why a Pentagon? I mean, this is... Now, I quickly realized, you know, with a bit of research here and there, I mean, now with Google, anybody can check this, uh, that here was I thinking Masonic symbols, you know, two towers and, and, and a Pentagon. Now, where does this come from, by the way, is that Freemasons, uh, and especially Freemasons of the higher degrees, uh, when they do the rituals... Uh, one of their main rituals is to do it on what they call a tracing board. It's sort of like a prayer rug, if you like. Uh, and on that tracing board is drawn the symbols of what they consider to be the Temple of Solomon. And the, the whole idea is to somehow uh, bring the initiate into a state where he imagines that he is rebuilding uh, the Temple of Solomon in a spiritual manner within himself. Uh, so the, the, the symbols that are on this tracing board is in fact, I mean there's many symbols drawn here and there, but the main symbols that represent the temple is the two columns or pillars that stood apparently outside the original temple, one known as Joachim and the other known as Boaz, uh, and leading to the Holy of Holies, which is either a pentagon or a five-pointed star, which, which is, of course, a pentagon. And, uh, you know, so there was this, this, this connection. And here was the weird fact that Franklin Roosevelt was a 32nd degree Freemason of the Scottish Rites, uh, the famous uh, 33rd degree uh, uh, elite society of Freemasons, which has its uh, headquarters in Washington uh, and must be extremely popular uh, these days because of Dan Brown's book about this, uh, this particular society. And, you know, so here we have a very senior Freemason who, by the way, was the 32nd degree of the Scottish Rites. Now, the main symbol of the Scottish Rites is, in fact, a pentagon. Uh, and, weirdly enough, it isn't just 
uh, a pentagon, but it's a pentagon that supposedly represents the uh, uh, armies, or sort of Masonic armies, uh, or crusading armies, that will defend Jerusalem. And this, this is what this symbol means in, in this particular um, uh, Masonic ritual. So I thought this is, this is getting a bit too much. Now, delving even further, uh, I discovered that this is, was precisely when uh, many of the uh, talks uh, were building up uh, in the middle of the Second World War uh, in order to um, somehow bring about the, uh, what became the State of Israel. And uh, again, this can be checked on Google, but uh, what I discovered were, were that Franklin D. Roosevelt had a great role that he played in these events. Uh, he, uh, of course, went to uh, Saudi Arabia to discuss the possibility of a, of a, of a, of a Jewish state in Palestine with King, uh, King Saud at the time. But uh, recently... Uh, in the last 10 years, I think, or so, were discovered the, uh, I'm trying fluttering through the book here to get the exact dates, were discovered the uh, diaries of his uh, advisor, uh, the famous Morgenthau. And in those diaries, he quotes uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt as saying something rather odd, uh, that he would, if that state of Israel would come to be, which he was very for, uh, he would place a wall around the whole of the, this newly potential Jewish state uh, and put the Arabs outside. I thought this is pretty weird. I've been, I never heard of this. It's all in the, on the net, by the way, in case you readers want to check on this. Sure, yeah. And, uh, but, of course, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, died just before the end of the war. And his role was taken by uh, his vice president, uh, Harry Truman. Now, here is the strange thing. Franklin D. Roosevelt was 32nd degree Mason, and he was the 32nd president of the United States. And here comes his successor, Harry Truman, who was 33rd president of the United States, and, surprise, surprise, a 33rd degree uh, Scottish Rite Mason. This is all sounding very, very strange. I mean, what's all this strange coincidence that keep cropping up around this, this, this research into this 9-11 attack, which got me back uh, 60 years to look into uh, some sort of strange connection. Now, here, we, I suppose we have to go now to the events that uh, is at the root of all this. And I started talking about the, uh, the city of Jerusalem. Now, I'll go very quickly here because I think we, we, we might be, I don't want to run out of time, but very, very quickly. There has been a battle for this city for the last uh, 2,000 years. Uh, I will not go through the biblical uh, times because uh, I'm sure many of you readers uh, are aware of uh, the Temple of Jerusalem being destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in the 5th century BC and all the events, but... So actually Robert, actually, Robert, we're coming up to our second break, so why don't we break here, and then we, we can return after the break so you can bring this to a nice, uh, nice conclusion. Sure. This is uh, Peter Tung. We're having this fascinating discussion with Robert Baval about what is really going on in the Master Game. 
Uh, we'll return after this break. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Wondering what the heck is going on on planet Earth? Feeling time speeding up but your energy slowing down? Then there are those strange physical symptoms, sudden life and career shifts, a sense of loss of identity or purpose. As we rapidly move into a new dimension, the old structures are falling away. How will we navigate what is new? After all, the Ascension doesn't come with an instruction manual. Hillary Harris hosts Ascension 360, Navigating the New World Energies, airing live Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Ascension 360. Tune in to see how it all turns out. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I just want to remind you to check out my own website, www.petertongue.com, as well as www.myheartcenterjourney.com, where we are currently near the beginning of a new seven-week walking a sacred journey through the chakras. Love, laugh, and learn. And there's still a free tele-event available for that program that you can still uh, listen to as well as our Ambassadors of Light program, which is an ongoing Thursday evening uh, time together as we explore the uh, incredible unraveling of uh, the, the, the awakening world at this time. And I'm delighted to have with me today Robert Baval, who is giving us a fascinating backdrop history to the way in which uh, our um, Western world has moved and uh, the connection back to the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. So, Robert, let's return to the discussion around the history of Jerusalem for us. Sure. Um, 
And I very much like your term, shift of consciousness, because, in fact, this is what this book does. I mean, it's, it's taken a, a huge shift of consciousness for Graham Hancock and myself. And I'm sure the readers will feel the same when they, when they get hold of this book. It's, it's, it's discovering a, a huge underground history that has been going on undetected for centuries. And strangely enough, it's all emerging in a kind of synchronized events. I mean, things that are happening around the world seem to be sort of all taking shape. And, uh, and this book kind of p- puts it all together. But it's an attempt to go through the steps so that the whole picture, the whole, I mean, we, we, we call it the ghosting of history. There, there's, there's, there's a ghost behind the visible history. And uh, once this is made visible, like the cities I was talking about before, one, once you kind of see them, they're there and strange enough, they're invisible until somebody points at, at, at the various uh, dots that you can join together and suddenly something emerges, a completely different image. And, uh, but I'll get into that in a minute. Let's pick up where I left off. I was talking about the, uh, the history of this uh, Temple Mound or the, the history of Jerusalem and uh, basically, uh, other than the biblical event, Jerusalem finally fell uh, into Roman hands after the great massacre uh, and destruction of the temple in 70 AD and for quite a long time just stayed uh, roughly into the hands of Romans which and the Roman Empire eventually deteriorated. It was seized by an Arab jihad, an Arab force in the year 638 AD and remained uh, an Arab uh, city. And this is when they built the Dome of the Rock and the, the Aqsa Mosque, which are still there, by the way. Uh, the, the famous uh, two uh, most holy mosques of, of the Arab world. One of the reasons that, that they were built is that there is a legend that the Prophet Muhammad uh, flew to Jerusalem from, uh, from, uh, from Mecca on a magical horse uh, and uh, landed on Temple Mount. And from there... Uh, took a journey. It's known as the night journey, the famous night journey of, uh, of Muhammad, the prophet, uh, to meet the uh, prophets, the, the, the old prophets, Moses and, and, and Jesus and so forth, in heaven. And it comes back with a sort of covenant. Uh, so this is why this place is so holy to the, to the Muslims. Uh, in any case, it remained in Muslim hands till the formation of the Crusades. And the first crusade, which uh, took place in 1099 uh, by the Christian knights, uh, captured Jerusalem. And this is where the real problem starts, because there was a bloodbath. And, uh, we go into details in the book, but it's... it's, it's, it's uh, and recently, there's been many, many books written about this, this event. Uh, for a long time, the crusaders were seen as heroic defenders of Christendom and so forth. But turned out that they're a pretty nasty bunch. And... Uh, uh, here they are. I mean, every woman, child, and old man, even even the animals were, were slaughtered. It is. It, it was said by chronicles of the time that uh, the blood was was knee deep. I mean, that's a horrible thing. I mean, the, and from there on, uh, there started the great animosity between Muslims and, and Christendom. Christendom being the the Christian empires uh, of Europe. Uh, 
this went on, uh, Jerusalem stayed in Christian hands. Eventually, uh, uh, the advent of the Knight Templars, the famous Knight Templars, who marched into Jerusalem in 1199 and were given as headquarters the uh, the Temple Mount. They, they they set their headquarters on inside the Aqsa Mosque. Now, again, rushing through history here, but eventually uh, Jerusalem fell back into the hands of the Arabs, the, the Muslims, in 11... Uh, let me get this right, right, 1182? Sorry, in 1282, what am I saying? Uh, by the capture of Jerusalem by Saladin. And it stayed in Arab hands, uh, in Muslim hands, till the advent of the 67 war uh, between uh, Egypt and Israel. And uh, the, 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 the Israelis captured the city of Jerusalem, and since 1967, it's now back into the hands, not of Christendom, but of apparently the original owners, the, uh, the Jewish nation. Now, since then, and throughout this period, there's been uh, a constant uh, battle over this, this piece of real estate. Uh, having said this, uh, the Knight Templars themselves uh, were dissolved in the uh, beginning of the 14th century. Uh, and uh, all those who have studied the history of the Knight Templars and the Masonic connection... Uh, well, I certainly have no doubt that the Masonic movement is an extension of the Knight Templar movement. And there's many books written about this by my colleagues Michael Bejan and, and uh, various others. Uh, so here we have these Knight Templars converting themselves into a secret society, which eventually uh, matures into a kind of initiatory society uh, in around the beginning of the 17th century in England. Uh, and expands itself as a Masonic movement, as the Freemasons, with its headquarters in England, eventually uh, follows the, uh, the, 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 the pilgrims to, to the United States and establishes itself there. Many of the founding fathers were, were senior Freemasons. Uh, George Washington, who was initiated in Freemason uh, before, the Civil, before the War of Independence, Franklin, uh, and various others. So here we have a kind of, I suppose, and, and the weird thing is that when one studies all this, you find that the, uh, uh, the, the American Constitution, the Declaration of Independence in France, all are based on Masonic ideals. Uh, it, seems that there, there, it seems that the two revolutions, the French Revolution, which we grow in, go in great detail in the master game, by the way, I don't have time here, of course. By the way, it's a book that is uh, almost 500 pages, so you can see the difficulty in doing this on, a, on an hour interview. But uh, I'm running through the main points here. Uh, now, here is the thing. I mean, uh, one, one looks at the origins. Uh, are you still there, Peter, by the yeah, way? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just listening with... Uh, <laughs> I, say I have to check because I've been known to... To speak when somehow the line got cut off, and I no, realized this. Wetting all our appetites for the Master Game book, for sure. Okay, well, I have to go back again a bit because the book literally has to do that. We jump backwards and forwards. We call them flashbacks because there are history, various strands of history that have to be studied independently, and somehow they all merge. And one of them is this idea of the formation of the State of Israel, which starts. Uh, with, of course, the, the formation of the Zionist movement in 
the uh, beginning of the 19th of, of the 20th century to be precise in 1889 if i'm not mistaken uh, the zionist movement was founded uh, by an ex-Russian uh, Jew who had this extremely uh, dramatic idea of declaring uh, that the Jewish people, which were in diaspora all over the world, there was uh, Jews in Russia, there was Jews in America, there was Jews in Germany, there were Jews in all over the place, uh, to see them rather rather as a nation, the, 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 which which in many ways, uh, gave that impetus that Judaism is in fact not just a religion, it is a nation. In any case, uh, the, Jew the, the Zionist movement became uh, uh, rather powerful, and in the beginning, in the middle of the First World War, when uh, the Jews were being persecuted uh, in Russia, uh, started the idea of having uh, a Jewish state re-established in Palestine. Now, at that time, Palestine was under the Ottoman Empire, uh, lived there uh, some 200,000 uh, Arabs, uh, many Bedouins, and so forth. Uh, very few Jews uh, were present, and uh, a handful of Christians. Uh, but in 1917, uh, the idea came by the, the Zionist movement, which by that time had established itself in, uh, in England and headed by, uh, by various authorities, one of them being uh, Lord Rothschild, Baron Rothschild, the, the, the famous banker, who was funding very heavily the, uh, the, 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 the war movement uh, in England. And uh, Baron Rothschild asked Lord Balfour, who was at the time uh, the, uh, the Secretary of State, to approached the king and see if he was favorable to the formation of a state for the Jewish nation, the diaspora around the world, in Palestine. And this is, the king apparently gave his approval, and there's this famous letter by Lord Balfour to uh, Lord Rothschild, uh, who written to the head of the Zionist organization, saying, well, yes, the king says it's okay. This is known as the Balfour Declaration. And it served as some sort of mandate uh, for uh, the beginning of immigration of the Jewish people towards... Now, I must say that um, I don't want people to get the impression I'm definitely not anti-Semitic or anything like that, but you know, history has to be looked at history, and historians cannot be politically correct in what they say. They have to look at the facts. And it is a fact that this is when the immigration started taking place. Uh, it all fell kind of uh, in a limbo uh, after the, uh, the end of the First World War. The British uh, were given uh, as, as, as a mandate uh, the region of Palestine to govern. Uh, much of the Middle East was, was broken into various parts and, and given to the victors. Uh, part of it went to France, uh, like Morocco and uh, Tunisia and so forth. And Britain had this uh, land of Palestine. They were also at the time uh, acting as, as governors or high commission in, in Egypt. And, uh, you know, they, they found themselves in a rather awkward situation uh, uh, with, with an import of Jews starting to establish themselves there and building various uh, developments and so forth. Uh, 
Robert, actually, actually, Robert, we're going to have to come to our, our final break here, so I'll, I'll just cut you off at that point and we can return to this uh, piece of the story after this final break. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Seventh Wave Network. Can you define your talent in six words or less? Are you using your inner resource, intuition? Listening to Joyce Anderson of Conversations with Yourself will work your intuitive muscle to discover your divine skill. Each week, your host, Joyce Anderson, will give you practical exercises to jumpstart your intuition, to live in your talent. From sports to business to music to food, talent is everywhere. Join Joyce and her engaging guests to hear their how-to stories. Tune in to Conversations with Yourself, Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. And ignite your talent. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. And I have with me today Robert Baval, who is telling us an absolutely fascinating story of the hidden history that we really need to understand of, of our world. Uh, and his new book, The Master Game, will be out in June. So, Robert, for those listeners who want to uh, look at your work and explore it further and eventually get the book, what is your, your website? Uh, my website uh, is www.robertboval.co.uk not.com because it will lead you to a, uh, uh, a usurped site which uh, apparently is selling pornographic material. There you are. Okay, okay. So, so robertbaval.co.uk. That's correct. So we, before the break you were, begin, you were talking about the, uh, the state of Israel, so just continue with that. Yes, I'll have to move quickly. Um, in a nutshell, uh, the, the 
first, there is, I mean, there's so much to do in the, in, in to explain this, but I'll, I'll move quickly back to the events of uh, the end of the Second World War. Uh, the situation in, in the formation of the State of Israel is that immigration starts pouring in. Eventually, the Second World War blew up. Uh, at the end of the Second World War, the British were, were, were getting more and more fed up with the, the skirmishes that were going on between the Arabs, Palestinians, and the Jewish settlers, and decided eventually that they were going to wash their hands and walk away and hand over all the problem to the United Nations, the newly formed United Nations. And they declared that uh, the end of British mandates would take place on the 14th uh, of May 1948 at midnight. And here comes the, this moment of history. Uh, the BBC did a wonderful program on this many years ago called The Day That Shook the World. Uh, why it shook the world? Well, here it is. Uh, the, uh, the provisional government uh, representing the, the, the Jewish government uh, headed by Ben-Gurion, uh, and now the Zionist uh, organization having moved now to the United States and being headed by Wiseman, who became eventually the first president of, uh, of Israel, uh, were lobbying very, very hard to have uh, the United Nations approve the request for, for the formation of an independent state. Uh, a Jewish independent states. The United Nations were very reluctant to go ahead. Uh, the reason is that uh, immediately when this idea was put forward, uh, five Arab states got together, formed a coalition, and say, if this goes through, we will attack this this uh, this newly formed state and kill it in its infancy. Uh, Egypt, uh, Jordan, uh, Syria, Iraq, and uh, and Lebanon. Uh, however the real players were the United States, as they are today. Uh, so there was huge lobbying going on at the time um, in the White House. And Ben-Gurion, uh, with his cabinet, decided that they were going to declare independence uh, the very day that the British were going out on the 14th of May, 48. And they did. Meanwhile, a lot of lobbying was going to persuade uh, the White House, uh, Harry Truman, to somehow give his blessing to this. And uh, the Declaration of Independence of Israel was made at 6 p.m. on the 14th. This was 6 o'clock in the morning in Washington. And amazingly, uh, contrary to the advice of the United Nations, contrary to the advice of George Marshall, who was Secretary of State at the time, was totally opposed to the idea, not because nobody wanted a home for the Jews, but because they knew that this would lead to a lot, a lot of trouble, which we have been suffering for the last 60 years or so. And, uh, but here it is. Truman shook the world by drafting a rather quick letter, uh, and which was sent as a telegram to Ben-Gurion. It was exactly 11 minutes, 11 minutes after the Declaration of Independence. Without consulting Congress, without consulting anybody, without putting the matter forward to the United Nations, this letter was written. Uh, it's a rather short one. It says, this government has been informed that a Jewish state has been proclaimed in Palestine and recognition has been requested by the provisional government thereof. The United States recognizes the provisional government of the de facto authority of this new Jewish state of Israel. Bang, that's it. Now, he was amazing. Robert, we've, we've actually only got a couple of minutes left, so it would be great if you could somehow bring us bring to the a, cities, a huh? summary of, 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 and, and close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
well, let me close. I mean, as you appreciate, it's a 500-page book, and it's. Uh, but I really wanted to drum this point because I think this is the core of uh, this this uh, consciousness awakening that we're all going through. We need to understand what's been going on over the last 2,000 years to know what's been going on in our world. But anyway, what the cities have to do with it? Well, I suppose one can bring it very quickly to Dan Brown's book, uh, The Lost Symbol. I mean, suddenly, uh, this fiction book has... Uh, uh, opened up the possibility, and I believe it's a real possibility, that uh, Washington, D.C. is designed under Masonic ideals. In other words, that the people living in Washington, uh, the few million people who are there, are within, if true, living inside a Masonic temple. I mean, that's it. And, and why? <laughs> why would they want to do that? Well, the thing is, a bit like me in Paris, where I looked at the obelisk. You know, once you become aware of this, once you are woken up to this... Uh, a talismanic city, if you like, then uh, there will be many who will start looking into, well, who put this monument here? Why is there an obelisk on the Constitution Hill? Uh, why uh, is this uh, avenue aligned in this direction and so forth? And when they analyze all this, they will self-initiate into a system, which I suppose one could call the Masonic system, which is a system of virtues. And I suppose that's the objective. It's a very, very clever thing, if true. And uh, we bring this to light, and this, you know, it's been happening in many, many major cities, London, Paris, and so forth. Now, it takes a bit of time to digest this, but this was the intention. The intention, uh, if all this is true, because I keep saying this big if, you know, one, one, when you read this book, you're left with a very strange feeling that all, everything fits, all the facts fit. Uh, you're still left with this strange feeling like, my God, I mean, it's been going on for centuries and you know, nobody's detected it. But uh, I believe that there is, a, there, there is a lot of truth in it. And uh, the world is waking up into a kind of awareness. Many things are at play here. Uh, and it's all shaping up in the next couple of years. I mean, we're becoming aware that there's been activities going on like this Masonic design of cities, uh, we're becoming aware that there is manipulation, that there is a misunderstanding as who is pulling the strings and so forth. And that's what that, uh, the, the mastery game is all about. Uh, I think I can wrap it here. Uh, th th there's wonderful, wonderful episodes in this book that we go through. We look into very carefully the French Revolution and all the weird things that went about it. And uh, the, 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 the creation of uh, so-called Egyptianized uh, monuments in Paris, which uh, even in, in recent times, the, the famous pyramid in front of the Louvre and so forth, all these need to be understood. And this is what the Master Game puts into a perspective for the reader to, uh, to see these landscapes, these urban landscapes with a different, uh, uh, completely different uh, eye. Well, Robert, we, we are at the end of our time, so I really, really appreciate you trying to fit in all this really rich information in, sh in such a short time. And I'm really looking forward to reading The Master Game when it comes out. And I am also looking forward to working with these temple sites in these major cities around, around the world. So thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great pleasure. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Well, that's a lot of information to digest there, and uh, I know that Robert is onto something really significant here, so I really hope that you enjoyed today's show. Next week, my guest will be Sonia Barrett, uh, The Cosmic Game in 3D. going to be another very interesting look into the matrix and where we are in our world today. hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a wonderful week. This is Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.